Welcome to the One Church Podcast. Within this podcast, you'll encounter content that will instill hope, fortify your faith, offer practical, real-life insights, spread the love of Jesus, and inspire you to fulfill your unique purpose. Now, please stay tuned as we prepare to delve into this week's message. I'm excited to um, bring our attention today to the centrality of what anyone that believes in Jesus Christ looks to. The centrality of what people may call as quote-unquote religion. But this is not a religion. This is more of a relationship. And that relationship starts with one place, with one person, and it's at the cross with Jesus Christ on it. I want to, ima- I want to ask you to imagine a dirt path or a dirt road. That Jesus, after being beaten, stricken, whipped, spit upon by Roman soldiers and mocked and jeered while he's going down that dirt path, carrying that heavy wooden cross. And he's making his way down and then around, then eventually up a little incline of a rocky, dirty, gravel path where it's a little elevated for where the town and the city could see, where three wooden crosses have been prepared for at that time three quote-unquote criminals according to the Roman law and their decisions. One of those three was the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And he walked up those steps on Golgotha. They nailed him to the cross with iron nails. They put the crown of thorns on him that did not just sit comfortably, but the thorns penetrated his skin. They say deep enough to affect his structure. He hung there. He was stripped naked. And in that moment, I want us to just remember that scene. Because today, I want us to remember what happened at the cross. It's easy to forget sometimes because it's so central and so taken for granted. But it's so important that we remember the cross. There is no Christianity, there is no relationship with Jesus without the reality of the cross. And that's where I'm reminded of that old song, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die, because he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? But at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there, not at a church, not at a meeting, but it was at the cross where I first saw the light, 
and my burden rolled away, and I received my sight. Maybe not physical, but the spiritual blindness of our hearts and our lives was broken, and we were healed in our spirit, man. And we were born again in our spirit. And now, I am happy all the day. I'm happy, not because I'm blessed. I'm happy not because I'm loved by people. I'm happy not because I got things. I'm happy not because I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by the goodness of God. I'm happy not because of the tangible blessings in my life. I'm happy not because of health or wealth. I'm happy because he died on the cross for me. I'm happy. Are we? Was it for sins that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Yes, it was for my sins. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. But drops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe. So no matter how many tears, sincere as it may be, none of our tears will be enough to repay the debt that he paid for us. But here, Lord, I give myself away because that's all that I can do. Today, I want to ask you to remember the cross. Some of you are going to be like, I've been in church all my life. Or I started coming to church. Or this may be my fifth time or first time. I don't know how many times you've attended church. But I want you to make sure you reside at the foot of the cross. doesn't matter how many times you went to meetings, how many times you've read the Bible, how many times you've went, done this or done that, served God, said this, or preached or whatever, sang how many songs. I want to tell us we could do all those things, but if we do not find ourselves at the foot of the cross, we have nothing, we are nothing, because we have to keep Christ at the center of our lives. Because we are evil at, in our nature, we are evil in our essence. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, would you turn your attention with me and your Bibles with me there? And if you don't have it, the team will have it on the screen for you. Isaiah 53, 6 is at the root of every one of us, every one of us. Our issue when it comes to our spirit, man. I'm going to read from verse 2 for context. For he shall grow before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. But verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone, someone say everyone, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, that's Jesus, him is Jesus, the iniquity or the guilt or the 
the true essence, the meaning of the original language is rebellion. The rebellion of us all. We may not have committed any of the uh, broken, sorry, we may not have broken any of the Ten Commandments. Maybe we've never lied in our life. Amen. Praise God for we never lied. No? Okay. We never killed anyone. Praise God. We never stole anything. We never committed adultery. We never put another God before us. We may not have broken any of the Ten Commandments, but we all, like sheep, have gone astray because just like sheep, we are going to want to go our own way. And that, in its essence, is rebellion. In its essence, rebellion is disobedience and trying to do things our own way. That's the only thing that we've all done. Someone say, it's me. Say, it's me. How many have ever tried to do things your own way? How many of you know God's way and still have tried to do things your own way? How many of you heard the voice of God and still try to do it your own way? How many of you don't know the voice of God or don't know the word of God and we've all been going through life and we've been doing it our own way? At the end of it all, whether you've been in church all your life, whether you've never known God, you and I, we all have gone our own way. We have been rebels in the eyes of God. No matter what race, no matter what color, no matter what ethnicity, no matter what background we have, we all must realize that we have all gone our own way. And that's why at the cross, we see something happen at the cross. Someone say at the cross. Someone shout at the cross. Something happened at the cross. Jesus did something there at the cross so that we could have something at the cross. Jesus did something at the cross so that we could have something at the cross. Amen? Jesus did something at the cross so that we, as his children, if we believe in him, put our faith in him, we could have something at the cross. The first thing is this. Jesus was punished so that we might be forgiven. Jesus was punished so that we might be forgiven. The verses that we read, verse 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. He was wounded. He was bruised. He was chastised. He was everything that he experienced leading up to the cross and on the cross and after the cross. He did it so that we could experience forgiveness. We have a struggle for giving others, but we also have a struggle for giving ourselves. Amen? We live with the guilt. We live with the, the, the shame. We live with all those things that we've done in our lives. I want to speak into someone's life here today that Jesus was wounded so that you could be forgiven. Jesus was punished. Sorry, Jesus was punished so that we could be forgiven. He was punished. You see, we were supposed to stand in that spot, but Jesus took it upon himself. Number two, at the cross, at the cross. Someone shout, at the cross. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. There's a spiritual healing, but also a physical healing. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 6 and 17, 6 through 17. We read a portion there, and I read it like this. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. In Matthew chapter 8, Matthew is quoting the scriptures from Isaiah chapter 53. It's saying, Jesus was wounded so that we might be healed. 
If you have a physical ailment, even a physical sickness, he took on the wounds on his body and his life so that we could experience physical healing in our life. And I know we might say, oh, I'm still dealing with something. I prayed for a long time. But that's why you got to keep trusting in God, keep believing in God that he could heal you at any moment, at any time. <clears throat> Sorry, and some things he may keep in our lives. Like Paul said, I have a thorn in my flesh. I have a thorn in my side to keep us grounded, to keep us trusting, keep us dependent, keep us humble so that we have to rely in our weaknesses. His grace is made sufficient and he is making us strong. He was wounded so that we might be healed. If you could turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. I want to just teach here for a moment for, about at the cross. 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, Who himself, meaning God, through Jesus Christ, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Jesus died with our sins, so that we could live with his righteousness. Amen? And that leads us to the third thing that happened at the cross. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness, so that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. Amen? Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness, so that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. There was a trade or an exchange that happened, guys. How many of you have ever got, we've all gone to a store or a, a restaurant. There's always an exchange. You get something off the shelves, right? You go sit down at a, uh, at a restaurant. You get your meal. And what do they bring? They always bring the, the bill, right? They always bring the bill. There has to be an exchange for what you just consumed or received. There has to be something that you have to give. There has to be an exchange for you receiving that piece of clothing or that piece of electronics or whatever you bought or whatever you had. You have to exchange something. You have to give them, in this context, money. You have to pay for it. And that way you could receive it. So you have to experience an exchange in that moment. Here at the cross, there was a mighty exchange there that our sinfulness is what pus, was put on Jesus Christ and that his righteousness was put on us. The payment was not a, a conversation. A payment was not, oh, good job boy good job son good job daughter go get him I got you the payment was not a you know encouraging word the payment was not a nice little song with a bridge with a few chords in it the payment was not something simple the payment was a heavy price was a heavy price the payment was the last drop of blood of Jesus Christ don't take for granted what we have as forgiveness don't take for granted what we have as righteousness it was not easy for us salvation is free but the payment was a heavy payment don't take for granted. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, in the Old Testament, when the people of God came to the temple every once a year, there had to be an atonement for sins, and they brought usually an animal that they prepared. It had to be a clean, blemishless animal, usually a lamb that was brought to the temple and presented to the priest. Before it got to the priest, there was a little pen or a little area before the, uh, the altar area that they had to examine the lamb. They had to examine the lamb. There was an inspection of the lamb before it was even brought to the altar. That's why in 1 Corinthians 11, it said Paul is admonishing the church, examine yourselves before you come to the table of God. 
Because the lamb was examined there in the pen before David was released to go in front of the priest. So that what, at the, what happened at the, in front of the priest, the priest heard the confessions of every person, received those confessions of every person, and then placed his hand symbolically on that animal. And on that animal, he put on all the confessions, all the sin, all the guilt, all the shame that the person transferred to the priest through confession. He put it now with his hands laid on the animal. He placed it on the animal. And now the animal is put on the altar killed and burned as a sacrifice this is old testament you guys don't mind learning the bible a little bit that's good thank god that's old testament but when you come now to the new testament the bible teaches there's no more bullocks or lambs that could suffice to pay the ultimate sacrifice and make the ultimate payment it had to be his son himself there was no lamb that was perfect enough there was no bullock that was clean enough. There was no animal that was created by God, the creator, that was going to suffice to make the final and the full payment for our righteousness, our righteousness and our forgiveness. It had to be his son himself, the only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And when we confess our sins to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he did that dent over 2,000 years ago, not just for all the people that came before Jesus, but he did it in faith, believing, knowing that he could and he would be able to impact so many countless millions and billions of people throughout the ages, saying that even in 2023, there is hope for the unbeliever, there is hope for the sinner, there is hope for the prodigal, there is life in the person and in the name of Jesus Christ. But if you would only put your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. We're all evil. We're all sinners. We're all messed up. I'm a messed up man. You're a messed up woman. We're all messed up, but Jesus took all of our messed upness and he took it upon himself and said, I'll take it for you. I'll take it for you, but all you got to do is believe in me. Put your faith in me. You got to love me. You got to live for me, and I will make sure that you take my righteousness. Man, what an exchange. I don't mind changing that wardrobe. My dirty suit, my dirty clothes, and I get to have the clean robe of righteousness that Jesus wore himself. Hallelujah. I don't mind walking around with a clean robe of righteousness. I know many of us in our mind, not physically, in our minds, in our hearts, we're walking around the dirty clothes of life. We're walking around with the dirty experiences, the messed up moments, the sin, the wickedness that you know something's not right. This is not right. It does not give me joy. It does not give me joy. It does not give me joy. You're trying it. You're doing it. You're having it. You're, you're experiencing it, but this is not giving you joy. You're leaving and feeling empty at the end of it. You got us. You're saying there's something else. There's got to be something else that fills the void in my heart. There's got to be something else that fills the emptiness in my soul. There's got to be something else that fills that void. That only Jesus can fit in that gap, in that hole, and that place is reserved for Jesus Christ. At the cross, there was an exchange that took place. Some of us may have received that exchange, made that exchange when we put our heart and gave our heart to the Lord. But let me just remind each and every one of us that had that moment already, don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Don't ask for a refund. Don't ask for a return. Take it. Receive it. Walk in it. There was an offering that was made. He took on our sinfulness and he put on us his righteousness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. At the cross, Jesus experienced death so that we could have life. I don't know if we get it, folks. 
Sometimes it's hard for me to even grasp. He, we were supposed to die. So, so, you know, I've been a part of conversations. Like, imagine for those that don't know Jesus Christ. What could they be living? Even for those that do know Jesus Christ, how hard life is. How, how petty life can be. How disappointing and discouraging life can be. Even for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. And ho- even sometimes the believers can get hopeless. Anybody? Uh-huh. Even believers can get hopeless. You're wondering, you're frustrated. Imagine if you don't know Jesus. Oh my gosh. But Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 says, but we, I'm giving you scriptures, write it down or follow along. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. Oh my goodness. That was a glorious death. You know, you've probably seen royal uh, funerals. How many have ever seen a, a state funeral? Like, especially when a president of the United States dies, you see the grandiose aspects of the funeral, right? Uh, recently, um, who died? England, UK, the queen. The queen died, right? The queen died. The, the, the celebration that happened, the royalty, the, the magnificence of the celebration. Yeah, that's great. The world can see a queen be celebrated or remembered in her life. But the death of Jesus Christ on the cross did not draw the attention of media, did not draw the attention of the masses, did not get celebration and accolades from all different heads of state. He was ridiculed, but there was something glorious about his death. He was made fun of, but there was something huge about his death. Nobody paid attention and they said, oh, good riddance, he's gone. Not like, oh my gosh, I'll miss him, or we needed him, we needed him to stay. But I'm telling you right now, there was something rich and glorious about the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Hallelujah. That was a glorious death, so that we could live a glorious life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That was a glorious death, so that we could live a glorious life. He tasted death, so that we could share in his life. Amen. He tasted death. He tasted death. He tasted death. I know we've all had experience of loved ones. Maybe ourselves walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We've buried people. We've witnessed people. We've prayed and counseled and grieved with people. We've, we've been there. We've done that. And if you're born on this earth, that is a reality of life. But Jesus, he tasted, he tasted death on this earth so that we could have life in eternity with him. Listen, we're all going to have an end date here on this earth. You guys agree? We're all going to have an end date if he tarries to come. But if you put your faith in Jesus Christ because of it, his death, we could have eternal life. There is no end date there. It is everlasting to everlasting. It is eternity to eternity. At the cross, Jesus was made a curse that we could receive his blessing. Jesus was made a curse so that we might receive the blessing. Galatians, turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. I'm giving you scripture. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. Galatians 3, 13 through 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Parentheses, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You see, in that time, in that culture, in that context, regardless of language, society, when you say cursed, one place, it may be different something else, right? You know, one word in one area could mean a whole other word in another language. Has anyone ever experienced that? You've been made fun of, right? You said one thing because you thought it meant this, but here the Bible is saying, when you say cursed, it's anyone that hangs on a tree. 
The wooden cross was that tree. So they saw Jesus as a curse. There's a scripture, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Also Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22 to 23. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he's put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. You understand where the scriptures come together? One in the Old Testament, one in the New? But Jesus was made a curse on that cross. See, at the cross, at the cross, Jesus was made a curse publicly. That's what the scripture is teaching us. Hey, you thought he was dying for your salvation? It was all glory and all hunky-dory? Ha, 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 yeah, good, beautiful. Yeah, but guess what? To the people and to people that do not know and don't know, he was there as a curse. He said, he, he's cursed. But Jesus went through it at the cross so that we could be broken from the curse and receive the blessings of God. Come on. A few months ago, we went through a series called Unseen Battles, and we talked about curses and blessings. And I'm telling you right now, there are families, individuals, generations that deal with the effects of curses pronounced upon them generations before, but they're still dealing with the effects until it is broken in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and in the name of Jesus Christ. You can experience the blessing that is coming out of the breaking of the curse upon our lives. So Jesus was cursed so that we could be blessed. Does that make sense? We should have been cursed. We should have been hanging on the tree. We would have been made the public spectacle. But Jesus said, I'll take it for you. I got you, son. I got you, daughter. He was cursed publicly so that we could be blessed also. Even publicly and privately, we could be blessed. How many of you are thankful that God has taken on the curse so that we could be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. At the cross, he endured for our poverty. So that we might share in his abundance. He endured for our poverty. So that we might share in his abundance. Remember that scene I was trying to portray before you? They say that they divided his garments among the soldiers. It must have been some good clothes. And they what? Cast lots for one final piece of garment. That means what? They said, hey, I want this. No, I want this. No, I want this. They said, okay, we can't figure out who gets this. We're going to just pick out of a hat. Cast lots, right? So that means they wanted something Jesus was wearing. They wanted something. Have you ever thought about that? They wanted something Jesus was wearing. They say that in that time, Jesus wore his regular clothes, but on top of his clothes, there was a seamless garment, a clean, elegant piece of clothing that he wore on top of all the other clothes that he would wear in his regular life of ministry. And they wanted that piece of elegant garment because there was probably some value to that. Amen? They cast lots for his, all right, who's getting it? Somebody got it. It was that important. But what we don't understand is this. The poverty is not just about the statistics that politicians and news gives us about poverty, about economic status. This moment, Jesus was laying there exposed before all of them. They sat there watching over him. Do you know that there was a portion in the scriptures, one of the accounts says, the women were standing afar off. Why? 
because he was laying there exposed, how much more poverty-stricken can you get than laying there naked before all of people to see? Huh? I'm not, that's, that's the reality. He was not like, you know, covered up in the nice, you know, undergarments and then put forth. No, he was laying exposed in front of people. So much so the women could not get close enough except for one, his only mother. That was shameful. That was being stricken with poverty. But thank God in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9, it says that for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, and God is able to make all grace, someone say all grace, abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. How many all do we have there? May have an abundance for every good work. It's not that Jesus was poor. He had all the riches available to him. But he made himself poor so that we could be made rich in Jesus Christ. Even 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is teaching that in the context in excelling in giving of your finances to the work of God. And he's talking about that he was made poor so that we could be made rich. We are rich before the eyes of God. I know we can cry poverty, and we can cry this, cry lack, cry nothing, but I'm telling you right now, if we would shift our perspective and from that end and say, God, thank you for making me rich. And I'm not just talking about your bank account, but rich with the goodness of God, rich with the joy of God, rich with the love of God, rich with the blessings around me of God that God has blessed me with. And not only all those things, but even your bank account, God can bless it if you honor him in that area of your life. Because he made himself poor so that you could be made rich. Because all grace abounds to everyone, always, in all sufficiency, in all things. So that you could have everything for every good work. Listen, I'm not a um, believer. And you know, you hear this phrase, prosperity gospel and all that stuff. Uh, that's not me. But here's the other thing. I'm not also going to preach poverty gospel either. Huh? Hey, man. There's no poverty gospel either. What the Lord blesses you with, he will bless you with what you need and more than enough. With more than enough, you give with what God has given to you. Amen? I will never say, you gotta, unless the Lord tells you to do something clear and crazy, you do it, and we'll pray for you. But until the Lord tells you, don't do it. You work hard. You earn a living. You save. You invest. You take care of your needs. You give to the Lord, and make sure that the Lord can be honored with your life in that area. And you must always say with your mouth, never cry with your mouth, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. I learned that early on from my home and from my family. We didn't have much, but we had enough. We didn't have everything, but we had enough. We didn't have everything that others may have had or thought. We asked for things. We never got everything, but we realized later on that the road why but we know one thing that we will never cry we never have enough i want to break that spirit upon anyone right now never declare that i don't have enough in christ you have more than enough you have more than you need you have more than you really really need if you really really think about it spirit of the living god he's given you more at the cross jesus bore our shame so that we could share in his glory 
He took away our shame, folks. He went through the shame of laying naked before those men that were beating him and ridiculing him. And then finally, they, they covered him up before they hung him on the cross. The shame. We're afraid to even take our shirts off in a pool. Anybody? We're afraid to do certain things in public. But Jesus was not asked to do it. Jesus did not offer to do it. He was just there available to do whatever they did to him. Because he was doing it not for him. He was doing it for you and me. He took on all the shame. He took on all the rejection. So that we would not have to. He endured my rejection so that we could be accepted. At the cross, there was a demonstration of God's love. How many of you are thankful for the love of God? At the cross, there was an ever-flowing, ever supernatural flow of grace at the cross. There is grace, the meaning, hey, what I did not deserve, I received it. I did not deserve that, but I received it. At the cross starts the foundation for our healings, our deliverance, and our victories, and our miracles. At the cross, I know we received a lot of things, but also someone else got something. Someone say someone else. Someone else got something. I got a lot of things. I got a lot of things at the cross, but someone else got something too. I know and I believe that at the cross, at the cross, there was a stamping on the head of the, of the uh, serpent. There was a crushing of the head of the serpent. The Satan got beat up, not just beat up. Satan got defeated at the cross. I got life and I got life abundantly. I got blessed and I got blessed abundantly. I got righteousness. I got God's righteousness, but I'm thankful as much as I received, my, the enemy was defeated at the cross the devil was defeated at the cross the devil cannot do any work in your life don't believe that lie don't believe that lie the devil was defeated at the cross his little minions may still try to work in your life but you got to believe that Jesus defeated the devil at the cross you got to live and walk with that triumphant attitude not a victorious mindset because the victory was already given at the cross I taught this a few months ago but you got to live from the triumphant hey the Victory was won. Now I live triumphantly because I am a child of God. Amen. If you're living a triumphant life, if you want to and you believe the devil has been defeated, give God a shout of praise for defeating that devil so he can't do anything in your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. At the cross, God gives us divine wisdom. I know some of you may be struggling with some things that you need to think through. You may be having some decisions to make, some moves to do. But I'm telling you right now, you can get all the counsel of godly people around you. But at the end of the day, you got to hear that wisdom from God above. You know, uh, next week we're going to have presence weekend. Amen? Presence weekend. And Saturday night, this is one of the announcements right now. Saturday night, we're going to have Pastor Henry Dennis Pastor Henry, everyone remember Pastor Henry? Pastor Henry Dennis is going to be with us Saturday night to minister from the Word of God. Friday night, we're going to be here in the house of God at 7.30, and we're going to seek the Lord in prayer. It's going to be a late night prayer, so you can come at 7.30, which we want you to do. You can come at 10 o'clock. You can come at, yeah, 10 o'clock, and just, that's it. That's the latest you should come, okay? 
Uh, don't even come that late. Just come at 7 30. Anyway, we're going to just be here in the house of God praying. But Saturday night, Pastor Henry's coming. And I want to share one, some, uh, one conversation I had with them when I used to work with them at a church here in Valley Stream, uh, Bethlehem Assembly. We used to be on staff there. And I used to work with them. And several years into uh, my time there, I asked him. He's been there a lot longer than I have. And he would be, he's that associate pastor to Pastor Steve Malazzo. Pastor Steve, we know as well. And I would ask him, Pastor Henry, this is, I just get into his office. We close the door. And it's, counseling, conversation all at the same time. And I asked Pastor Henry, how come you never wanted to be a, a senior pastor? Or how come you never wanted to be in a different role? And he t- sat me down and said, listen, a lot of people have asked me. A lot of people have offered things to me. But he said, here's one thing. I learned you never go because people said it. You go because God said it. You know Why? Because if you go when people say it, when something happens on the other side, and some disappointments happen, frustrations happen, something doesn't go right according to what you planned, you're going to blame the people that told you to go. But when you go when God said it, and when something happens on the other side and some disappointment, frustrations, it didn't go according to your plans and thoughts, you don't have to look to people. You could just turn to God, ask God, you told me to come here, now you take care of this. Amen? <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna, I'll, he'll be, I'll be honest. You're going to have many things come in front of you. As you go through life, many opportunities and many things are going to come before you. But you have to really know that it was God. You got to really know it was God. Because when it doesn't go according to your way over there on point B, then you can only turn to God and ask him. Don't turn around to anybody else. Hey, you told me to come. Why don't you take care of this? No one's going to be there. I promise you. They're not going to turn their back for you. They're not going to turn around for you. Maybe for a short time, but not for the long time. But there is a God that was going to be always with you. My God will always be with me. So make sure you have divine wisdom, godly, divine wisdom when you make some decisions in your life. But that you can get at the cross. Today, I wanted to bring your attention back to the cross, folks. I know, how many of you have heard any of this at any point in your life? If you've heard any of this at any point, maybe you've never heard this before. But today I want to give an opportunity for anyone in this place, before we go into partake of this table, remembering the sacrifice and the ultimate payment of his body and his blood that he, Jesus Christ, made for my salvation, my redemption, my victory, my healing, my life in righteousness with God. I want us to remember, do we believe in Jesus Christ? Do we believe in the cross? Just close your eyes all over this house. Put yourself there at the foot of the cross. Come on. Use your creative imaginations right now. Some of you are imagining how to get to lunch. Which restaurant to pick, but uh, pause it for a moment. I want you to imagine you standing there at the foot of the cross watching a nearly naked, beaten up, bruised, battered, beaten son of God hanging there by three nails, bloodied. Oh, I want you to imagine that. He took that punishment for our forgiveness. He was wounded for our healing. took on the shame so that we could have his glory. 
He was rejected so we could be accepted. He was stricken with poverty so that we could live with abundance. But at the cross, that's where I first saw the light. It was there by faith. I received my sight. Thanks for joining us this week on the One Church Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week. If you are ready to start a relationship with Jesus and commit your life to Him, please contact us at info at onechurchonline.com. We hope you found value in this podcast, and we'd appreciate if you would share us with others and tell your family and friends to follow along. Our prayer and hope is that this podcast can reach countless lives. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels at One Church LI and visit us at our website, onechurchonline.com. Here at One Church, our vision is to see Jesus. We exist to reach the one with the love of Jesus and for all to live like Jesus. We want to see Jesus in each other and we pray and believe that there is more for you.